right, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Paul is writing this letter from prison, and he has sent it um, by the hand of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus had brought an offering um, from the church at Philippi to be an encouragement and to meet the needs of the Apostle Paul. Um, is my mic okay? Okay, I'm going to use this. Okay. Um, to be an encouragement to the Apostle Paul. And he is, sent, um, he is sending this letter back with Epaphroditus to encourage the church in the Lord. And these Christians had tasted of God's goodness. I, look at verse number one. We'll read from verse number one um, down to verse number eight. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, these Christians had tasted of the peace and joy that comes in knowing Christ. They had tasted of the comfort of love. They have tasted of the fellowship of having the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And they've tasted of God's mercies and kindness. In verse number two, the Apostle Paul says, Fulfill ye my joy. He's saying to the church, What will make me happy? What will make me happy? What will make God happy? And he says, That ye be like minded, having the same love being of one accord and of one mind. Paul, Paul said that it would make me greatly happy to know that you're of one mind, that you're like-minded. The unity of the church makes God happy. It's God's desire. We learned this on a Sunday evening in December. It is God's desire that each of us live according to God's love. It is God's desire that we live in one accord with God's purpose. What is God's purpose for us? To pursue the glory of God, to evangelize the world, and to be united in prayer. And we thank you, Pastor Tyler, for encouraging us this morning to be a prayer-filled people. And tonight, the focus will be um, intercession and prayer. Uh, Pastor Tyler will be going through answers to prayer over the last few months, and he'll be encouraging us with a message on prayer this evening. It's God's desire that we be united in prayer, and it's God's desire that we be united around the truths of God's Word. It says to be of one accord, to be in harmony, and we can only find harmony as we unite around the truth, around God's worldview, around God's word. But notice it says, it says next, um, let nothing be done. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. 
Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to bring your attention to verse number three where it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. The title of the message this morning is How to Do Things God's Way. How to Do Things God's Way. Number one, let nothing be done. Let nothing be done through strife. Through strife. The word strife means exertion or contention for superiority. A desire to put oneself forward. A fractious spirit. That word fractious means apt to break out into a passion. Apt to quarrel. Cross. Snappish. Strife manifests itself in arguments. The book of Proverbs tells us only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Strife is a carnal response to a problem. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, let nothing be done through strife. Let nothing be done with this passionate desire to prove that you are right, to, um, to you know, to, to quarrel, to argue, to contend. The, the book of Galatians tells us that um, strife is a work of the flesh. The works of the flesh include hatred or hostility. Um, a work of the flesh is variance. That means a quarrel. Um, emulations, that means a fervent mind. And, and wrath means a passion. And seditions, these are all works of the flesh, is dissension. And so let nothing be done through strife. Um, turn with me to James chapter number um, 3. James chapter number 3. James chapter 3 and verse number 14. James 3 and verse number 14. It says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, this bitter envying and strife, 
This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Let nothing be done through strife. It is sensual. It is devilish. The Bible tells us here in verse number 17 that this is the kind of wisdom that we need. Wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let nothing be done through strife. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Along this same line of thinking, let us be careful to control our temper. Let us be careful to control our temper. James 1 and verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Let nothing be done through strife. Secondly, to do things God's way, let nothing, the Bible says in Philippians 2 and verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Vain glory. That means an empty glorying. It means a self-conceit. Be sure that we always guard our heart for the motive of our heart. If the motivation for what we do is to glorify ourselves, our motive is wrong. Nobody sees that except you. And God says, be careful. Don't be doing what you're doing to be seen of men. Don't be doing what you're doing for your own promotion. Um, 1, Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. Our motivation um, to serve the Lord, our motivation to do the right things should not be for our own glory. It should be for the glory of of God. And notice here in 1 Corinthians, God says the simplest things in life, the simple act of eating, the simple act of drinking, the simple act of living. It says here, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Don't do all for your vainglory. Do all for the glory of God. Let nothing be done through strife. Don't do things through strife. Don't do things for your own vain glory. Number three, um, go back to um, Philippians chapter two. It says, but in lowliness, but in lowliness of mind, we need to do what we do in lowliness of mind, lowliness of mind. 
That means that we need to have a humble opinion of ourselves, a humble opinion of ourselves. There's a, there's several truths that if we remind ourselves of, it will keep ourselves with a humble opinion of ourselves. Number one, we're re, we are created by God from dirt. We are created by God from dirt. Without God's miraculous creating power, all we are is dirt. Um, Genesis 2 and verse 7. Genesis 2 and verse 7. It says in this verse, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Let, let nothing be, let everything be done in lowliness of mind. Realize I am created by God out of dirt. I am created by God out of dirt. And Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, our continued existence is all because of God. Our continued existence is all because of God. Acts 17 and verse 28 says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. We live, we move, and we have our being because God allows us to live, move, and have our being. We exist because of God. We also need to realize that everything good we have is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Um, look at 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Everything we have is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. It says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? You know, if you look, the Bible says when we compare ourselves to others, we are not wise. But if you start looking around and saying, well, I'm, I'm taller, I'm stronger, I'm better educated, I have nicer clothes, um, you know, whatever comparison you make, the question is, who makes you to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive. Everything you have, you have received from God. Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? You know, if you're an accomplished piano player, it's because you've received this amazing ability from God. It's probably because you had parents that had the money to buy a piano, had the money to pay for lessons, and had the character to make you start practicing. And so if you have a, a level of success on that instrument, it's because you've received wonderful gifts from God, wonderful gifts from people in your life. Um, James chapter 1 James chapter 1 and verse 17. James 1 and verse 17. Every 
every good gift, not some good gifts, but every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It will keep, we will keep a humble opinion of ourselves if we realize I'm created from dirt by God. I exist because of God. And everything good I have is a gift from God. Also, to have lowliness of mind. It is, it is, Thayer's definition is to have a deep sense of one's moral littleness. To have a deep sense of one's moral littleness. In ourselves, in our own selves, the Bible tells us dwells no good thing. Look at Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul, he had this constant awareness that in him dwells no good thing. He says in Romans 7 and verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. We need to realize that there is no sin that we are not capable of committing. That in our flesh dwells no good thing. As Christians, we are blessed that God rescued us and the Holy Spirit indwells us. And he's given us the precious gift of his word. And if there's anything good in us, if there's anything good manifested in our lives, it's because of God's wonderful grace. And that, that brings me to this point. If we are going to have a lowly mind, we need to have a heart that's full of grateful praise for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Um, look at 1 Timothy. You know, Paul, Paul had an accurate opinion of his flesh, that in him dwelled no good thing, but he was also full of thanksgiving and grateful praise for the salvation that Christ provided him. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who is before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners 
of whom I am chief. The Apostle Paul had a deep-seated praise and thankfulness for the salvation that Jesus Christ provided. If you're here today and you've never accepted God's gift of salvation, Jesus wants to come in your life. He wants to wash away your sins. He wants to give you new life. That's what he wants to give you. He wants to save your soul. And all you have to do is come to him by faith, asking him for his salvation, repenting of your sins, and turning to Jesus Christ for salvation. I'll go back to Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two. How to do things God's way. Number one, don't do anything through strife. Number two, don't do anything for your own vain glory. Number three, let everything done be done in loneliness of mind. And then it says in verse number four here, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We naturally care for ourselves. God has made our love for ourselves the standard for our love for others. I, just want, you, I want you to see this in several places in the New Testament. Um, look at Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter 22. And verse 38. Verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We are to care for others as we care for ourselves. Look at Romans 13. Romans 13 and verse 9. Romans 13 and verse 9. It says, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely... Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Obeying God and pleasing God is loving our neighbor as ourselves. Um, look, at, look at Galatians 5. Galatians 5 and verse 14. The Bible reads... 
In Galatians 5.14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All of God's laws can be broken down and simplified by loving our neighbor as ourselves. And this is said one more time in the book of James, James chapter 2 and verse 8. This is called the royal law, the royal law. If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. The royal law, loving your neighbor as yourself. We need to have our eyes open towards others with a desire and purpose to care for their needs. We need to have our eyes open towards others with a desire and purpose to care for their needs. I was thinking um, in our Bible reading this week, we read about Abraham in Genesis 13 and Genesis 14. And I noticed how Abraham, he cared for his nephew Lot. When they had strife between his herdmen and Lot's herdmen, Abraham said to, um, said to Lot, Lot, you choose. You choose first. You take the land that you would like and I'll take the other land. It wasn't about himself. It was about what would be best or what would Lot prefer. And then, um, then you turn around in the next chapter and Lot is captured in a war. There were these armies that came against Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot was captured by those armies. He was taken prisoner. His family was taken prisoner. You know, and Abraham, um, you know, Lot had dealt him a lot of grief to this point in his life. But Abraham chose to take his servants. I think the Bible says there's around 300 servants or 600, and they armed themselves, and they went and they fought these kings and their armies. And they, 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 they put their life in danger so that they could care for someone else. And so at every turn, Abraham is thinking about what's best for Lot. Not what's best for Abraham, but what's best for Lot. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. There's some great principles here in Isaiah chapter 58 about looking on the needs of others. Not looking on ourselves, but looking at the needs of others. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse number 7. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that thou cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, and thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. We see in this verse 
a, a, a challenge, an encouragement, a command to, to meet the needs of people around you. And notice verse number 10. And it says, and if thou draw out of thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You know, as it says in verse number 10, to draw out of your soul, to, to, to love people from within your soul, not just to, um, not just to care on the outside, but to draw from your inner resources to love the people around you. What was it that motivated um, um, Abraham to care for Lot? He, he truly desired the best for Lot. He drew out of his own soul to meet the needs of Lot and to care for the needs of Lot. And folks, um, here in Isaiah, it's talking about caring for um, the, the poor, caring for the oppressed. But our care this morning, it needs to start with those closest to us. It needs to start with those who we share a house with, who we share a church with. We need to care from within. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We've seen these admonitions to love our neighbor as ourself. And we see in Ephesians chapter 5, the commandment for a husband to love his wife as he loves himself. First, first the husband is challenged to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Jesus is our example. And Christ gave himself for the church. So husbands are to give themselves to their wives. But in verse 28, it says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bonds. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Never let, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So out of our souls, out of our heart, we need to love and we need to care for the needs of the people around us. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of other. What do the people around me need? How can I meet those needs? Romans chapter 15 and verse 1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak 
and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. How can we build up the lives of the people around us? It says, for even Christ pleased not himself. We have to forget about ourselves and we have to focus our energy and our heart on meeting the needs of the people around us. I believe Pastor Tyler um, gave an exhortation that will help us in meeting the needs of others. When we pray for others, we will care for others. It will bring others into our radar so that in our lives, we can care for those people around us. These are the admonitions of how to do things right in Philippians chapter 2. We can't do anything through strife. We can't do anything through vainglory. We have to do everything with a humble, lowly mind. And we need to look on the needs of others. And we need to draw out of our soul and care for the people around us. Start with those closest to you. And then let God expand your love to others. Let's do things God's way. Let's do things God's way. Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your clear instructions in your word about how you want things done. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, we wouldn't do things through strife, that we wouldn't do things for our own glory, that we would have a lowly mind and that we would look around at others and we would have a sincere desire from our souls to reach out and to meet the needs of others. Lord, we, we need your help and we ask you, Lord, to help us in these, um, in these tasks, in these things that you want us to do. And Father, Lord, if there's anyone here today that's never received um, your salvation, have never received the gospel of Christ, I pray today that they would call upon Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray you'd bless now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.